In this episode of Aloha Happens, we talk with director and filmmaker Conrad Lihilihi. Language of a Nation is his docuseries that discusses the important connections to Hawaii's rich cultural and political history. A history that is largely ignored or left out of public school curriculum, much less public discussion. This honest, mesmerizing, and profound docuseries may even make you question everything you think you knew about Hawaii's past. Conrad Lihilihi is a director and cinematographer raised in Hawaii, where he began creating worlds and stories at a young age through music. He then found a love through visual storytelling as he began illustrating comic book characters. But it wasn't until his sophomore year at Damien High School, through a film assignment given to him by his English teacher, that Conrad realized his passion and talent for filmmaking. After high school, he moved to Seattle, Washington, where he attended the University of Washington. It was here that he recognized the impact visual media had on people, and he wanted to do more for an underrepresented Polynesian community. So, Conrad created his own major and graduated in 2006 with a degree in ethnic identities in film. Upon moving to Los Angeles, Conrad gained invaluable directing experience, both shadowing the directors and working as a production assistant on NBC's Emmy-winning show, The Office. He then went on to work in both production and post-production on numerous projects for NBC Universal. E! Entertainment, Sony, Fox, NTV, and Spike TV. More recently, as a video editor for Warner Brothers subsidiary Telepictures on the true crime show Crime Watch Daily, hosted by Chris Hansen, which recently won an Emmy Award for Best Multicam Editing. In an industry where Polynesians are greatly underrepresented, Conrad looks to be one of the few Polynesian directors in Hollywood that strives to bring the stories of South Pacific to the mainstream audience. And this is where our story begins. Me being mixed with Asian and Polynesian, you know, you see both sides of that conversation in terms of representation. And so I took that and wrote an article just to address that the conflation of everything Pacific Islander is for some reason Asian uh, or Asian Pacific. The, the result of that, the article that came from that found its way to Kaleva Korea, the Pacific Islander curator for the Smithsonian. He's from Hawaii, but he reached out to me and he said, you know, I read your article and I agree that we need to address this issue in terms of that conflation. And then he saw my work and he reached out to me and said, what do you think about doing a, a piece about the Hawaiian language and why we don't speak it anymore? And so originally this project was actually just going to be a spoken word. I was going to link up with a poet and then I was just going to, you know, shoot some B-roll, make it look pretty. I found a, a spoken word artist a week before my flight back home to Hawaii to start shooting this, this spoken word artist, I, we lose contact. I don't know what to do now. Like, I, this is my project. So I hit up Kaleva and I tell him the situation. And he was like, ah, no, nah, no worries. You know what? I'll just set up some interviews and we'll, we'll go from there. 
he puts together a list. He sends me the list and he's like, oh, here are the people who uh, who are down to do the interviews. I'm looking at the list like, OK, this is a uh, this is a little bit bigger than I'm expecting. This is not going to be no five minute, 10 minute thing. And then it's like Kaleko Kael, Keanu Sai, Kumuhina, like everybody in that, you know, all the top people in the movement. So we wondered how this list of contacts with experts in different fields of endeavor would prove to be an advantageous step in his journey. In the, in the interviews, I was able to ask questions that somebody who doesn't know the history could follow. Every interview had their different expertise. Like Keanu Sai has his, his view from the political science. You know, Donovan has his from the land. Puokia Nogemeyer has from the newspaper perspective. Uh, everybody had a different perspective, but my intro question to everybody was, if we were to explore why Hawaiians don't speak Hawaiian in the 21st century, where does that story begin? That question in turn allowed them to focus on different aspects that the other wouldn't. That's where Donovan starts talking about the land. That's where Keanu says, like, let's look at the law. You know, so they're all adding to that story of how did we get here? It appeared this project now began to manifest itself as a bigger story that needed to be told. As the revelation of this began to take hold, Conrad realized the die had been cast. After getting those interviews, I sent them a cut, which was pretty much the first episode. And immediately it's like, oh my God, this is going to be bigger than what we thought. Take your time. No deadline. We need to get this right. But I just know I had all of this amazing stuff, but I didn't know how to present it. I was just editing it and taking out the best pieces and putting like, this has to be in there. And then different moments within the last two years, things happened, like I said, that needed to happen. Like I, in that time, I, I went to Mona Kea. There's just things in your life, you know, that need to happen to bring you to the next level mentally, spiritually, or emotionally to be like, okay, I know what I want to say. I'm ready to tell this. Conrad now began to unravel multiple layers of this story. He connected pieces of it with his grandparents, who witnessed parts of it themselves in the years before statehood. It, it was a lot when I first shot all the interviews, because I had all this information. Everything seemed so like blaring in terms of oh, wow, now the decisions that the politicians are making in terms of choosing tourism and military over the people, that becomes way more obvious. I also shot an interview with my grandfather. I mean, it, it, you see the product, exactly what was accomplished in terms of mindset and in terms of lack of information, miseducation. Uh, the older generation, like I watched this with my grandmother, it was so emotional because she's like, everything, she's like, yes. You see her putting it together. She's like, yes. Yeah, the dots connecting, like, live time. You don't know how impactful this doc is until you watch it. As educated as you think you are, even if you read all the books, it, it'll put everything into perspective, in, and especially in terms of the, the effects after the overthrow. 
as the project began to unfold, it revealed a deviation from the school textbooks in Hawaii's libraries and those around the world. A newfound sense of enlightenment began to occur. I think the transformation that I went through is the same transformation that a lot of people are going through with watching it. That's the main thing. And as I was editing it, that was a specific goal in mind was to bring people along that journey. Coming from nothing and then learning the details and seeing how that impacts us presently. And then in episode four, when, you, when you're looking at when people are fighting for Mauna Kea or fighting for the land or fighting for against Monsanto and all these issues, it's just an extension of what people were fighting for. I feel that the doc is taking people through a very, very similar journey. It was just an eye-opening experience for me as it was. it is for everyone else. And I'm glad that people are feeling that. It empowered me, actually. It, it empowered me. It made me proud to be from Hawaii. It made me proud to be Kanaka. Yet we wondered then how this amazing story could reach audiences outside of the islands, shedding much-needed light on a very shadowy part of Hawaii's history. I really think that it could do some great things. And like that's, that's what I want to start doing with Hawaii stories on major platforms and Hollywood outlets, I guess you could say, is tell our stories on that. Tell the story of the overthrow. I, I feel like language of the nation is where, at the very least, it's like our roots. I just wanted to make something for Hawaii people from our perspective. Like that story, especially learning how deep it went in terms of what we've been learning was not the most accurate thing, to say the least, you know what I mean? So uh, in my mind, I felt, I'm making this for Hawaii people. Why wouldn't anybody from Hawaii want to see this? I, I recognized very early that this information is new to like majority, if not over 90% of the people in Hawaii, of every generation across the board. If the number is that high in Hawaii, of course, nobody in the States or in the rest of the world knows this information. So I don't see why, you know, anybody outside wouldn't be interested in this because just Hawaii, there's such an infatuation with Hawaii. There's such an infatuation, but people don't know anything about it. So I I, I hope that it was something that I could make for Hawaii, but I, I feel like really anybody in the world who has any type of love or appreciation is going to, it's going to resonate with them. Conrad Lihilihi's docuseries, Language of a Nation, shall ever be an illumination of some of Hawaii's twisted story told from the inside out. Its heart, its soul and spirit springs from the passion to tell a story as only a kanaka can. It is, after all, how aloha happens. You have been listening to a podcast presented by the Sandwich Islands Social Network. This series of Aloha Happens has been edited by Lono Archambault. Original music by Dennis Blair Suarez and Lono Archambault. My name is Kamaka Brown. Ahui ho. See you next time on Aloha Happens. Aloha Happens.